Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Mesechus Yuvamos as we study Daf Kuf Yudches. I want to start off with a question. I've really received this question from a couple of people, but it came to a head where uh, someone sat with me this week, really wanted an answer to the question. Baruch Hashem, people are so serious about Mesechus Yuvamos. We're allowing this woman, and this has been, uh, we've been dealing with this issue, we allow this woman to put herself into a very precarious situation where we first of all accept her edus, that her husband is gone. It's with the understanding that if he comes back, she's going to be prohibited to him. She's going to be prohibited to the new guy. If she remarried, she's not going to get the ksuba. And we discuss the possibility of mamzerus. So where exactly is she supposed to get such strong evidence. And this raises a question that's actually going to come up at the end of Mesechus Yivamos. And I'll leave it a little bit um, for then. Whether there's Drisha V'chakira. Drisha V'chakira, generally when you're dealing, with, especially with Dine Nefashos, or a very serious issue, the Bezdin is going to do a full investigation into the believability of the witness or witnesses, you know, when it comes to if they're going to kill somebody. So you do a whole trisha v'chakira, you could end up with Eide uh, HaChasha, Eide Azama, to be discussed in the future. So what's this woman relying on? Like, what type of evidence? We spoke about that it can't be a situation where there was machlokas, you know, between her and her husband, we have to understand the climate in the world, you know, whether there's a war going on or not and how that plays a role. But it's a huge risk. And it's that huge risk that allows her to go ahead and get remarried. But the one of the questions came to me, why can't the Chazal say that the marriage is basically, you'd say, annulled, the first one, or canceled out once you have the second marriage? if you're trying to get rid of the Aguna situation, so we're really not getting rid of the Aguna situation because this woman could end up being like a double Aguna. She comes back, the man comes back, and she can't marry, she can't live with either of them. And she won't get the Ksuba. So it's true, she's officially divorced from the first uh, husband, and now she's free to go on to guy number three. But at least from the first two husbands, she's in she's in trouble. So I don't have the answer. Obviously, this is the way Chazal established it. They're just not going to be mafkia, uh, kiddushin, although we discussed this earlier, if there's a chance the guy's alive. And we're assuming that he's not alive until he shows up. So I think she's really being treated like an almana. That's where Chazal are defining, that's how Chazal are defining her status. It's not like a Suffolk Almana. We're using that Eid Echad to establish her as an Almana. But then the reality changes. So I may not be answering the question, but I'm just explaining a bit of how I think Chazal are functioning and they have certain limitations. But it is true that it's a, it's a big risk to take. I think also that's why even if there's not a Jerish of a Chakira, and I can't promise this, and maybe we'll get, and I myself will get clearer 
as we get later on into the, uh, as we get to the end, and we'll see this maybe at the very end of Mesechus Yivamos, there is some evidence. This is a machlokas between Rabbi Tarfan and Rabbi Akiva, where there's a need for Jewish of a Chakira. But even if you take the view, I think, of Rabbi Akiva, that there's no full investigation, but there's still, Besdin has to be comfortable with it. And we see that based on the number of exceptions that take place. Maybe these aren't the only exceptions. They're symbolic of the exceptions. I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit radical to say something like that. But the question's a very good question. I'm glad you bothered by it. It's a lot easier to discuss uh, mistakes in the Ksuba and a misplaced Ksuba than an issue like this. You imagine a guy comes back from uh, war when everybody thinks he's gone. Or come, you know, comes back from uh, overseas, not the war. The war case we knocked out already. And uh, these are cases, you know, halachalamaisa. Maybe it's a little bit easier. We have the nine eleven cases that I've mentioned before, where how do you establish that the person is gone? So there was a little bit, on one hand, a little bit easier if you knew what what flaw he was on at what point, and they had ways through. Um, you know, the cards that people check in, security cards, phone calls. But, uh, yeah, Rahman al-Islam is a very, very difficult uh, situation. In a way, it, I wouldn't say it clouds the end of Masechus Yivamas. It shows the sensitivity in Masechus Yivamas for Ishus and for the personalities involved. Very fascinating mission on the top of Kuf Yud Ches Amin Beis. I think it's an important Mishnah beyond uh, just the halacha, this is an example of um, really where, through the actions in this Mishnah, assuming, okay, we're going to make this a real case, it's undermining what was accomplished with Kiddushin. If you remember, uh, we learned way back, and I mentioned this many times throughout this Masechta, it'll come up again in Kisubis and Kiddushin, that originally there was a randomness. You just pick up someone before Matan Torah. Man meets a woman randomly. They get married. There's no process, no process of Kiddushin. And we spoke later about how Rav, who we'll come back to in a few minutes, also added an earlier stage called the Shiduchin. So you end up here in a situation where Kiddush Achas Chamesh Nashim. A man is uh, engaged to one of five women, she doesn't know which one he's engaged to. And then, each one says that he's engaged to me. Now, we're going to see, we have to worry about a valid Kiddushin here, but my point is, just when you study this Mishnah, to see how out of whack this is of the way things are supposed to be. You know, what Sinai was trying to accomplish. There's another thing that's out of whack as well, because the conclusion of the Mishnah is Umeiniya, the conclusion of the Mishnah, at least according to the Tanakhama, which the Gemara is going to, the Mishnah says is Rabbi Tarifon, Umeiniya Ksuba Beinehem Mustalik. He places the Ksuba payment between them and then he leaves. It sounds like they fight it out or as some of the Rishonim explained, Besden's going to try to figure it out. But even here, we're seeing things out of order. We have assumed that the Ksuba is identified with the Nisuin. 
Here you have a situation where a guy, he's not even sure who he's engaged to, he wrote some kind of ksuva at the engagement period. Now, how do you not know who it is? We spoke about how important it is to have the elements of the ksuva spelled out. I don't think we even had to stress that you need the shame. You need the name of the chassan and the name of the kala. So it's either a ksuba where he didn't identify with whom he's uh, getting engaged to. You see also some of the poskim suggest that maybe uh, every single woman over here had the same name. That would be interesting. But again, there's a structural problem, but also a moral problem, which I think is not ignored, especially by Rabbi Akiva, because Rabbi Akiva says, Ein zu derech avera. Rabbi Akiva says that this guy doesn't uh, get rid of his uh, obligations through just one ksuba. He's done something really wrong over here. And whether the women have to make a shvur or not, which matches up with the second part, we're putting that aside right now, I want to just tell you what Rabbi Akiva says, that get uh, ve'echas. I mean, this is an amazing case. He, could give a get, he has to give a get and a ksuba payment to each and every one of the women. I mean, you're talking here about some serious dollars. We generally assume that you have to, um, you, the ksuba includes enough money to live for a year. You know, generally, that's the amount. You know, what's going on in the economy today in America? Interesting how we make that evaluation. Sometimes in Eretz Israel, they're more specific, I think like 80,000 shekel um, per ksuba, if I'm correct. Here, maybe it's in the 30,000s if you make the, the, the correlation. So there's also what Rabbi Akiva is saying is going to be challenged by, uh, you see, the Meiri, because, you know, at the end there is Hamotz Mechaver Olavaraya rules. You have to prove when you're taking away money from someone. But I think there's something that's happening here that goes way beyond just the, the halacha. It's also the whole ethics of the situation. Now, what we're going to do is explain, according to the Rambam, mostly according to the Rambam, but we'll use a little bit of the Shulchan Aruch, how this plays out, la halacha, and we're going to learn something very important from it. Now, this comes up, according to Rabbi Tarifin as well, where he says, where it's a situation of bia. Right, because our mission is Kidesh Achas Michamesh Nashim Vainya Yode Izo Kidesh. Kalachas Amaris Oso Kidesh. No Sinagel Kalachas Viachas. Minyak Subbenehan Mistalik Tiber Bitarf and Rebekiva Omer. Ainzu Derek Motsi Minavera. Ashi Tengel Suba Kalachas. So that's just a situation where it was regular Erison through money. But we end up seeing in a situation where it's Ayerson through Bia, where he ends up having Bia with one of them, then what happens? There's no machlokas. Uh, here we will have a machlokas. I'm sorry. That... So just to clarify, sorry for the confusion, 
We have a situation, a second possibility, of where he was Makadesh, the woman, because it ends up being he was only Makadesh, one woman, with Bia. So the Gemara has a whole discussion that maybe even here, Rabbi Tarifan would agree with Rabbi Akiva's uh, conclusion. The way we paskin this up, la halacha, which is what we're going to do the analysis of, and I'll read you the Rambam in the Shulchan Aruch, is in this situation, since he was Makadesh with Bia, which we've learned already, and this is what Rashi stresses, that Rav, if you remember back earlier in the Gemara, and we also learned this in other Gemaras, that Rav says you can't have Kiddushé Bia. Again, we have Torah principles, and then, as I said in the beginning, we're trying to establish on a Drabana level what Chazal want. So remember we said you can't have Kiddushin without Shiduchin, and you can't have Kiddushin Babia, and also Kiddushin in the Shuk. In a situation where you have Kiddushin over here with Bia, this guy is going to have to, it sounds like Kanas, so the way Rashi explains it, he embarrassed this woman, he's going to have to end up paying Aksuba to all five. And then the question is, what does Rabbi Tarifan hold, right? So, but let's just assume, because we are going with halach l'maisa. Now, the question that's raised by uh, one of the Mepharshim on the Shulchan Aruch, it's a very good question, the Tiv Kiddushin. So he says, you know, why are we just focusing the issue on the man? The, when we say that it's a woman who is involved in having uh, bia, you know, it takes two... So why is it only the man that is being punished? So uh, the way he explains that from her perspective, right, from her perspective, there was valid Kiddushin. It wasn't the best way to do the Kiddushin. But we're dealing over here with a man, and again, this gets at to how random it is, to something that's so, so structured, he's not even sure which woman he ended up having the Bia with. So in many ways... This is, I think, the way that Tiv Kedushin explains it. He's being uh, punished for the, the what I called out of whack, the looseness of the situation and what he's created. I think I said before the uh, Ziv Kedushin, it's actually the uh, Tiv Kedushin, since it's very, very big rough, lived from 17... 17- 65 to 1833. I have a lot more to say about him, but he was uh, very big. And he really has tremendous insights <clears throat> on the Shulchan Aruch, as well as others for him. Um, so he raises a question about, let's say you had Kiddushin without Shiduchin. In a case like that, we're not going to require everybody to have Aksuba. And he says there's a difference between Kiddushin with Bia and Kiddushin without Shiduchin or or Kiddushin in the Shuk. Remember, these are the examples we gave earlier of what's considered to be uh, disgusting from Rav, either because you're not going through the process of engagement, then to formal engagement with Kiddushin, you're doing it in a haphazard way. But he says it's still something much worse about the Kiddushin with Bia because that's inherent. 
mean, that goes to the goof of the Kiddushan, to the essence of the Kiddushan. You're doing it as opposed to, let's say, Shiduchin or Vishuk that's outside of the Kiddushan. I hope I explained that well. It probably needs a little bit, um, better analysis. I want to point out just a couple of other things before we end this year. The um, second part of the Mishnah on Kuf Yud Ches, when it talks about a person who says that he stole from someone, but he's not sure which one he stole from, in order for those people to collect, they're definitely going to have to take a shvua. You know, we generally operate with Hamotzimichavero Olavaraya. But there is also, I wouldn't call it a kanas going on, but there's something similar that's happening. As you, you look into the Rambam, and even the Gemara, you're trying to fix something up in Shemayim over here. A person who doesn't even know who he stole from, all five people are making a, a claim. There's something, not that it's better when you just steal from one house, but at least there's clarity. And um, this is discussed by the Beis Shmuel, where he talks about uh, why should the ruling be different when a person says that he stole from one of five people and doesn't know from whom he stole. In such an instance, even though the thief is required to reimburse each of the five, this is only when each of the recipients takes an oath. So we should say the same thing should have to be when it comes to those women but again, that I would say is more, you're in the Ishus realm. Here you're in the Mumminous realm. So it's not necessarily going to be the same thing. And just to conclude, the way this is uh, written by the Rambam, the Rambam says in Hilchus Ishus Perik Tes, Halacha Chafalaf, show you this is brought down, Halacha Mekadish Achas Mechamesh Nashim Ve'ini Yodea Ezumahen Kidesh. He doesn't know. Again, it's hard to imagine such a case. How about Edom? You know, don't Edom know about this? Then, just to show you the ramifications, he's going to be prohibited <coughs> to any of their Krovim. And this is what we discussed earlier in Masech um, Some of those Yisurim of Krovim are going to exist even after the get is given. This is brought down as well in the Shulchan Aruch, Evan Ezer, Kiddushin, Hilchus Kiddushin, Simon Memtes, Sif Aleph, HaMekadish, Achas Michamesh, Nashim, V'kasav Loksuba, V'en Yodea Ezohi, Chal Achas Mehen Omeris Anihu, they all say it's me, again, Asur B'Krovos Kulon, V'nosen Getlachal Achas V'yachas, V'meniach Suba B'nehem. Everybody should have a great week of learning. Hopefully you found this interesting in the Mazatov as we finish another parak in Maseches Yavamas. One more to go.